100 it's like 106 or something like that but this is that's counting like bonus episodes and stuff so this is like real proper episode 100 oh my gosh do we have a sound effect or something like you know Uh, no that wasn't good okay (laughs) okay Okay, that was a little, uh, truth be told, I'm turned off now. Like, that was, <laughs> I'm just, I was all hot the bothered preset. for this episode, and now, <laughs> just, that was the, you killed preset the mood, sounds right that come with this. <laughs> well, there you go. Episode 100. Welcome, everybody. <laughs> Welcome. If you don't know, if you think this is a mistake, it's not, we are... We are oh, Crystal and Cat. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I would have gone with alternative interests, but I mean, we are alternative interests. <laughs> we told everybody that we were going to take a break and come back fresh, and this is what we're giving <laughs> this them. Is <laughs> this is obviously not fresh. This case, however, is a steaming pile of fresh, you know what? Oh God, mistakes. And regrets and a little, you know, when you eat corn and it's obvious you eat corn, there's some murder and it's obvious. So just FYI. I feel like you really (laughs) wanted to knock that metaphor out of the park. I am full of metaphors. (laughs) I am full of metaphors fantastic puns and uh just really bad accents and bad grammar but here we are all right right. here we go let's dive right into this okay okay um do you want to warn the listeners about you know what this is episode 100 and it's presented by cat and you guys know you, you know when I do so, an episode, like the more horrific, the better, in my opinion. Not for the people, you guys, just for the quality of just storytelling. I, I mean, no, not even the quality because sometimes I'm not good at that either. Uh, <laughs> just the quality of tea that I am about to dish, pour. Spill, spill on you, whether you like it or not. It's happening, uh, especially with this one. This one, you're going to be like, what did I just listen to? So here we go. I I'm will... pretty sure they're already thinking, what am I listening <laughs> well, it's to? it's my story. So here we go. Okay. So yes, there is a trigger warning here. And the only trigger warning you're get, you'll get, because once I get going, I mean, I'm not going to stop. So there is... Um, if incest, child abuse, child murder, and suicide bother you, um, you might want to not take a listen. And hopefully there are no young kids in the car with you ever or anywhere near you when we listen. But this is the unfortunate and horrific story of 
the walking trash bag, otherwise known as Stephen Platel. Now, I know I talk a lot about walking trash bags and walking douche canoes, but like this one is, I think, out of all like the, the Pied Piper of uh, the walking trash bags. I am going to say yes, even though you'll probably think back and go, oh, you've told some pretty creepy stories. Like this guy makes Anatoly, my other main man that I told you guys about a couple weeks ago, look like a just like a saint. Like you just want to bring him home. You want to forgive him for all of his oddities because <laughs> here comes uh, Mr. Platel. So. Okay. Mr. Stephen Platel was born in April of 1975 in Nassau County, New York. There really isn't much about his early life, which is a good thing because I could give a fuck. He was raised by his mom, Grace, and she was a single mother. He was bullied a lot in school, which no one ever deserves that. But then once you hear about Stephen later, you're going to be like, probably deserved it. Although he was a child, this is probably a part of his story and what made him this way. I don't know. I go back and forth between do I really care? Do I not care? And this guy makes it really hard to even care. He was known for wearing the same um, San Jose Sharks jersey, hockey jersey to school every single day. Now, the mama part of my heart feels sad because I'm like, oh, like he, you know, maybe that was the only clean, you know, shirt that he had. Maybe they weren't right. very well off. Like, you know, probably growing up, if I were to guess just based on that very limited information that I just gave you, that he just probably was just a kid that people picked on for whatever reason. And so probably childhood wasn't that great for him. That is no excuse. Anyways, moving on. In 1995, when he was 20 years old, um, still living in New York, I'm not sure what he was doing. He was just hanging out. Uh, he decides to dabble a little bit online into the online dating world. And that's when he meets a girl named Alyssa Garcia. Now, I don't know what dating or what platform he met Alyssa on, but she was only 15 years old when he met her. Remember, he's 20 at this point, and she's a 15-year-old girl. Yeah. They talk for a while and exchange tons of love letters and messages on a daily basis. Now, Alyssa's parents, because when I started reading this, I'm like, where the fuck are Alyssa's parents? She did have two parents at home and they disapproved, but clearly they either had no control over their daughter or they thought they couldn't have control over their daughter. I'm not sure, but if it were my 15-year-old, that, I, I mean, I would have shut that whole thing down right away. As soon as I found out, and even though that, yes, it pushes the child more towards that when you say no, but still, I would have like, I would have done something. Is it clear that Stephen knew that she was 15? Yes, like, he knew okay. that she was 15. Okay. Because uh, that's just the thing is like, most dating sites require you to be 18 yeah. plus. So again, th there wasn't specified what platform they met on. They just met online. So it could have, okay. who knows? It, it could have been, been a chat room. Exactly. A game room, okay. whatever. Um, he actually starts to visit her in Texas quite frequently. And it was after 
his very first visit that they started their sexual relationship, which, mm. hello, statutory rape, right? Ew. Your parents, uh, she still lived at home. Like, I, I feel like the parents could have clearly done something, but I would like to say I do not have a lot of information on Alyssa's parents at all. I just know okay. that she lived with parents at the time. I'm not sure what they did. I don't know what the family situation was like. It could have been a myriad of things that prevented them from, you know, having control over their child. Right. Anyways, after a few visits, he uh, convinces her to run away to New York to live with him. And because this seems like such a wonderful idea for a 15-year-old, Alyssa goes with him. Now, I keep thinking back to when I was 15 years old. I would have been scared to death to even leave my home and go with a man who's five years older than I am to a different state. Like, I just think of my 15-year-old brain. I, my 15-year-old brain would not have been able to to do that. But I also had parents that would have never even allowed me near a situation like that. Right. Um, not that her parents are at fault. I'm just saying, like, you know, again, we don't know what was going on. So when they arrive in New York, Alyssa begins to see another side of Stephen, which, duh, right? That always right. happens. She's known him for a few a couple months of weeks. Yeah. I mean, they've been talking for yeah. a couple of months, but uh -huh. she's only met him very recently. Yeah. So and I think it's clear Steven knows what he's doing. He knows how old she is. Mm -hmm. He knows what to do and say in order to work the situation that is most beneficial for him. And it's at this point that he becomes increasingly moody, violent, mean abusive. And unfortunately, by the time she's 16, she is what? Pregnant. Pregnant. Yep. So in January of 1998, Alyssa, then 17, gives birth to a baby girl. And they name this little girl Denise. Now, as soon as Denise is born and comes home with them, Stephen, the asshole, can becomes an even bigger asshole, if you can imagine that. Now, call it jealousy or just being a major douche canoe and a walking piece of waste, but Stephen basically turns into a monster. And when I say that, I mean a literal monster. Alyssa says that as soon as the baby came home, he became super abusive to the infant. Uh. Alyssa said that Stephen would punch baby Denise and leave <gasps> her little body black and blue. And oh he would God. also, he also enjoyed pinching the baby all over, over and over and over again. And when poor baby Denise would cry, as babies do, either uh -huh. because your father's a douche canoe or just because you're a poor defenseless little baby, he would cover her mouth with his hand until she was on the verge of no longer breathing and then lift up his hand. And of course she's upset because she doesn't know what's happening to her. So she's going to cry more. Exactly. So when she would cry more after that, Stephen would stick her in a cooler 
at first with a blanket over it to muffle her cries, but then eventually he graduated from having the blanket on it to Mm -hmm. putting the lid down. Now, Alyssa would beg Stephen to let her near the cooler when he would put her in there to open it up to save Denise and to prevent her from suffocating. And this was a part of Stephen's little game, too. He would he would make like so baby Denise is screaming and crying in that cooler gasping for air. Alyssa is screaming and crying for Stephen to let her take the lid off and rescue the baby. And Mm -hmm. he would take it to the brink every single time, like to the last second. And then he would go, okay, you can save her now. And Alyssa would run to the cooler, scoop Denise up, run to the bedroom, lock her, herself and Denise in the bedroom. And she said she would just rock her baby on the bed and cry with her daughter. And while, as she was just rocking Denise and crying after all of these horrific episodes, she would just wish for a better life for Denise. And she said that she was constantly just like thinking, what can I do to like get a better life for her? She just wanted a better life for Denise. Babies have so many doctor's appointments in their first year, were they just not taking the baby to the regular doctor's appointments? You know what? I have no idea. Um, I think my thinking on this is Alyssa's just young and scared, and I don't think she really had any idea as to what to do. So I don't know how many doctor's visits they went to. Again, Alyssa's a 16-year-old mom. Right. And this older guy is telling her how it's going to be. Exactly. So, I mean, I mean, I throughout this story, I have a lot of sympathy for Alyssa. I really, really do. I feel like she was being groomed by Stephen from the start. Oh, absolutely. There's no other way to put that. Yeah, exactly. Um, So despite all the abuse that she witnessed Stephen commit against her daughter, Alyssa still stays. Again, I don't think she has anywhere to go. She's 16 in New York. She can't get a job. She probably dropped out of high school when she went to run away with him. Yeah. So she's entirely dependent on him. Yeah. And, you know, she she cut off her family when she left. So it's not like she can reach out to them again. Exactly. And I think also Alyssa was embarrassed because when – I think she looked at Stephen's behavior. She, because she would let, later say, like, Stephen had zero bond with the baby, like, zero bond. She felt it was almost as if he hated the baby. I mean, it sounds like it. You don't do those kinds of things. No. Unless you have some intent feelings. Exactly. So, because Alyssa wanted better for her daughter and she knew this wasn't the life that Denise deserved, she eventually talk Stephen into putting Denise up for adoption, which apparently wasn't a hard decision for Stephen. Stephen's like, yeah, go ahead. Okay. But I mean, good on Alyssa. Exactly. Exactly. Alyssa said it was very difficult to give up her baby, but they were young and poor and, and she knew Stephen was a monster. Um, she didn't say that, but I'm adding that part, right? Like I bet, I bet she knew Steven was a monster and she just wanted Denise 
to live and be happy. She said that in an interview, I just wanted Denise to live and be happy. And I found it very interesting that she knew the word that she used the word live because I think that is very telling of the monster she knew Stephen was. Yes. So thankfully, baby Denise is adopted right away into a wonderful family. Good. She was eight months old when she was adopted by the Fusco family. Anthony, who is also goes by Tony and Kelly Fusco. Both were wonderful people who were very involved in their community, and they were the type of people that did anything for their family and friends. Um, they already had their own biological daughter named Nicole. Tony was an officer with the New York State Department of Corrections, and Kelly was a secretary for the Dover Islands Land Use Department. So they were this great couple wonderful family, well-to-do in the community, both had great jobs. Um, So they adopted baby Denise, and a little before her first birthday, Denise officially became Katie Rose Fusco. Good. And Kelly and Tony moved um, Katie into their home in Dutchess County, New York, which was about 80 miles from New York City. You know how sometimes we do these stories and adoption can go either way, right? Sometimes like a kid is adopted out of a horrible family into another horrible family and like you never know. But this was not the case for Katie at all. She was showered with all the love and attention any child could want. And she grows up to have a normal and happy life. She's actually nicknamed by her uncle Pac-Man because apparently when Katie was a little girl, she just loved to eat and she would (laughs) eat anything. And she also loved animals, especially stray cats. She would often uh, bring stray cats in from the neighborhood. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. She was a vegetarian, which probably goes hand in hand with her love for animals. She was a wonderful artist, loved to share her art with everybody, and she was also a really good drummer. Um, She had a really great head on her shoulders. She got good grades. Eventually, she would attain. uh, attain. Eventually, she would attend Dover High School, and um, she had plans to pursue a career in digital advertising. I really don't like that you use the past tense for all of that. Uh... Well, because this was her past. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> um, she maintained a blog on which she loved to display her um, artistic and written talent. She was also a really great writer. She was really good with words. Um, she was just very well cared for, and she was truly living the life that Alyssa wanted for her biological daughter in the first place. Life is beautiful. Everything is just beautiful. Meanwhile, and, and in my notes I say, meanwhile, in what the actual fuckville where Alyssa is still with Steven, because I'm funny, um, <laughs> they... <laughs> They, uh, Stephen and Alyssa, go on with their lives together. She stays with Stephen even after, like, for me, I was like, why is she still there? She, like, Alyssa, like, 
saved her daughter and gave her daughter a better place. I feel like why couldn't someone do that for Alyssa too? You know, like why couldn't someone save Alyssa? But Alyssa is still with Steven. They go on with their lives. Um, she describes her life with Steven as horrible. Well, I didn't think it was going to be all sunshine and roses. <laughs> I know, exactly. I think this speaks to her brainwashing and grooming, though. And the fact that she had been with him since 15, I think she was just stuck. You know? Yeah. Like, I. That and, like, it's just like I said it already. She's a teenager in an unknown city with a guy who probably isn't going to let her get a job. Yeah. Um, and who loves that. He is the only, she probably doesn't have friends. Yeah. It's just, she's entirely dependent on him. So what is she going to do? I yeah, I don't know. Well, I'll tell you what she did do. She's like, I'm going to marry this man. And that's what they do in 2006. They get Aww. married and they move to a suburb in Richmond, Virginia. And then in 2007, almost 10 years after giving birth to Katie, Alyssa and Stephen have another baby girl. Now. Thankfully, Alyssa says that it goes better this time around because Stephen is more grown up and ready. And when I say better, I mean... You do not mean good. I do not mean good. It's just better than okay. a level lower than shitty could be. Okay. So, again, better, it's not really saying much, right? When she says it... Went I mean... I don't know how it could get any worse. <laughs> exactly. The bar is real low. Yeah. Here. Yeah. So, I mean, he doesn't abuse the new baby because now he's ready. So why is he going to take his anger out now on a little baby? Okay. Um, so he's still angry. He's still verbally abusive. But now he's obsessed with guns. So that's fun. Any type of handgun or AR-15 style weapon, really. Okay. He takes Alyssa with him often to shooting ranges. Um, and they're just like a little family of three having fun at, at, at shooting ranges. Um, I mean, I, I learned to shoot when I was like two, so... Oh yeah, my mom. My mom was around guns like when she was, uh, when she since she was really young. Not so much now. I I don't think she has a gun. I hope not. Um, <laughs> not that she wouldn't know how to use it, but just like I would like to know these things. Um, now, Stephen. I mean, on top of his list of wonderful qualities, uh, he can't keep a job because okay. of his explosive temper. Which now he's not just reserving for Alyssa and his child, but now he is getting mad at people, punching people, punching walls, just punching things anytime he gets mad because he has yeah, the, that's, yeah, the emotional regulation of a five-year-old, right? That's the kind of employee we want. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he starts telling Alyssa that if she ever tried to live, leave him, he would shoot himself in the head, videotape himself doing it, and then send it to her. So she had to watch it over and over and over again. Um, Newsflash, Stephen. We no, don't no have to play the to video. watch anything. Exactly. So not sure where that threat came from. But also, why is 
they've been together for over 10 years. How is this threat just starting? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I think, you know what? I think maybe he recognizes that Alyssa is getting older, right? And, and maybe a maybe, little smarter. Maybe smarter. I don't know. But poor Alyssa, she still stays. And since Stephen can't even keep a job, it is basically up to Alyssa to provide for her family. Okay. Now, five years after their second daughter is born, then, or their second, yeah, five years after their second daughter, they have another one. They continue on with life and Alyssa and I'm sure her daughters are just living with these mo this monster and enduring just years and years of emotional and verbal abuse. Um, eventually, Stephen and Alyssa stop sleeping in the same room, which no one can blame her, right? But again, I ask myself, why isn't she leaving yet? Because that's the cycle of abuse. I know. I know. And and so I, I just, that's hard for me to wrap my brain around. I'm not happy with them not being in the same room because what is he doing? Nothing. Nothing. They just sleep in this, they just sleep in different rooms. Uh... I mean, what <laughs> he's playing Legos. I don't know. Crystal, no, I don't know what he's doing. Just, it's just like with, at, if they're sleeping in the same room. Oh, are you talking about the daughter? Going yeah. On at night. Yeah. Uh, okay. that's, or that's anybody else. Well, we're going to find out. I don't. He can go out and have an affair and that would probably be best for everyone, oh, honestly, yeah. Yeah. at that point. Oh, yeah. I'm more concerned about the daughters because yeah. it's already kind of established that Stephen likes younger women. Exactly. So. Yep. So later in an interview, Elisa, Elisa, gosh, my, again, my mouth, Alyssa would describe her life with Stephen um, as this, and I quote, I was always walking on eggshells, whatever his mood, mood was, everybody knew, and that mood was often not happy. A lot of yelling, a lot of things smashed in the house, all in front of our kids, which ugh, is just so sad. Anyways, so as all that dark, awful, shitty, just life for Alyssa and her daughters is happening, um, mm -hmm. remember, Katie is a beautiful, bright... She's 15 at this point, right? Well, now oh, God, she's, she's 15. No, she's 18 now. Oh, okay. She's 18 because I'm, I know I'm hopping around, but like she's 18 She's about to graduate high school. She has her whole future ahead of her. She knows what she wants to do. She has a clear plan, a clear objective, like a, a beautiful, loving, supportive family. So <laughs> Katie turns 18, and that is when Tony and Kelly decide to tell her that she's adopted. Oh. Now, this in fact, is a turning point in Katie's life. And she, being very curious about her adopted family, decides to seek them out. Understandable. Very understandable. I would too. I, I sometimes, just because I'm a petty kind of territorial jealous person, I, if I was Katie's adoptive parents, I don't think if I had the information to give her how she could track her parent down, I don't think I would want to because uh, she's mine. She's my baby. Did the adoptive parents know about the history 
with Steven and Alyssa? That is unclear. I am not sure. I think they just, I don't know. I, I would assume it was some sort of adoption where there was an agreement that later, once the child turned 18, the child could contact the biological parents Basically if they wanted to. Basically a closed to. adoption. Yeah. Um, because it was Katie's mom that had uh, the Platel, Stephen and Alyssa Platel's name to give to Katie. Okay. So I feel like they can't have known. Yeah, if they I knew, don't, I they don't would not yeah. have done this. Yeah. I, I, you know what? 100%. I didn't even think of that part. You're right. They probably wouldn't have told her had they known. Um, they probably just saw very young mom, uh, bad situation as far as just she's young, you know, 16. She, she doesn't have the means to take care of her. So Katie, armed with the name of her biological parents, she actually finds Alyssa, who is 37 now, and Stephen, who is 42, on social media right away. And she contacts them and they begin corresponding all the time. Like Alyssa is very excited to hear um, from Katie. Steven at this point is just in the background. Like I'm sure he thinks, oh, cool, right? She's 18. Katie is so excited to learn that she has two little sisters. Um, And very quickly, they make plans to meet in person. Okay. At this point, Katie has just graduated high school, and her plan was to enroll at the local community college and then transfer to SUNY, purchase to study advertising. So that had been her plan, right? She even was already enrolled in the community college. Everything was set to go. Then in August of 2016, Katie abruptly changes her plans. And instead of going to the community college, she decides that she wants to move to Henricio, Virginia to live with Stephen and Alyssa and their two daughters who are 11 and 7 at the time. Okay, given any other situation without the abuse, this sounds like a really good idea. Like, go and bond with your parents and get to know this family that you is because they've been talking. I, Does I don't. Think, I don't know. I don't think that's too. I weird. had this loving, wonderful, supportive family, and I have these plans and these dreams. And now suddenly, I'm going to change it. Yeah, I, I, I get going to visit your biological parents for the weekend, but to just like switch everything up and go and live with them. I mean, you can get undergrad credits at any community college. I guess, but I I don't know. I I couldn't do that. And I don't think I would want to do that to my adopted parents, especially how wonderful they are. And speaking of Kelly and Tony, they obviously weren't very excited about this change of plan. But at the time, they really didn't feel like they had a choice and they wanted to be supportive because she was 18, right? Right. Um, They did express their feelings about it, but they also did not want to push her away. So they were just supporting her, you know, like if this is what you want to do, you know, that's going to make you happy, which I think is just is a testament to what great parents they were. Right. 
So she reunites with Stephen and Alyssa and move in. And from the outside, you know, everything looks really happy. I did my little air quotes. Um, and you said looks. That doesn't mean it yeah, is. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I assure you, not all was well in the Plato home. Mm-hmm. So soon after moving in, Alyssa senses another shift in Stephen. This time, it is the exact opposite of what she had experienced before. Stephen suddenly becomes more aware of how he looks. Barf. He had a, before Alyssa moved in, he had like a shaggy, unkempt beard um, and just like kind of like weird, un, like messy hair. Um and now suddenly he shaved his beard. He was growing his hair long. Um, he also started dressing differently. He started wearing skinny jeans, um, some form-fitting shirts, and working out at the gym. So he's cheating. Gross. I'm going to vomit. Uh, yeah, but right after she moves in, who's he cheating with? I'll tell ya. <laughs> Alyssa, Alyssa takes Katie aside privately to tell her about the abuse she suffered at the hands of Stephen when she was Uh an infant and how the, that was why she placed her up for adoption. And I think Alyssa decides to tell Katie this because I think at this point, Alyssa thinks maybe Katie will leave after she finds that out. Nope. Katie seems unfazed by the news and not concerned at all. I'm sorry, but if that was me and I was with my biological parents and my biological mother took me aside and told me all the horrible things that he had done to me as an infant, I'd be like, uh, yeah, no, no thanks. How much you want to bet Stephen got to her first and said, hey, as your father, I need to tell you why we gave you up for adoption. Your mother used to beat you. Your mother used to do these things. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Because I bet that is probably what happened, that Stephen approached Katie first and said, you know, if she tries to tell you I did this, it's because she feels so guilty that she did it. And that's just what she is going to try and tell you to turn you against me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's a good point that you're making. Be, that's the only thing that yeah, I can think of as why she would why, remain unfazed. Why by Katie that. would hear this and just be like, "Meh." Yeah, yeah, you're right. Well, it probably was something like that because six, six weeks after Katie moved in, mm-hmm. Stephen started sleeping on the floor of Katie's room one night. Ugh. And then again the next night, and the next night, and the next night. Now, this is when Alyssa's gut instincts kicked in, and she suspects that they have started a sexual relationship. You know what this almost sounds like is, Mm. you know, when you get a new puppy. Yeah. And you tell yourself the puppy is going to sleep in a crate, mm-hmm. but then it starts crying. So you're like, okay, yeah. you can sleep in the room on mm-hmm. the floor. Mm-hmm. And for a couple of nights, it stays on the floor. Yeah. And then one day you wake up and the puppy's in your yep. bed. Yep. And the puppy always sleeps in your bed. Yeah. Yeah. 
Now, except Steven's not a puppy. No, he's, he's a fucking monster. Exactly. So. And Alyssa starts. The puppy has rabies. Yeah. She starts to put the information together and she realizes Steven is grooming Katie the Ugh. same way he had groomed her at 15. So Alyssa is immediately concerned and she confronts Steven about it. Steven gets extremely angry. No surprise of there. He does. I know. Told her that it's none of her business. And then he storms out of the house and takes Katie with him. So at this point, thankfully, it's it's only at this point, Alyssa has finally had enough. This was this was the straw, which I mean, there were so many straws before this, but oh, come on, Alyssa. This so w- did she go to the police? No, she moved out of the family home in November of 2016 and took the girls with her and took her two younger children with her. OK, but they did share custody like she did agree to have shared custody of the two girls with Stephen. Now, Katie at this point, has a choice to either mm-hmm. go with Alyssa, go home to her adoptive family, or stay with Stephen. And unfortunately, she stays with Stephen. Does it just not occur to her that this is her father? I mean, I think horrible decision-making is obviously in the genes. And, I mean, so... obviously... Steven has to be one hell of a charmer. I mean, yeah, and I'm going to get into this later, but there is a term for this and things like this, especially between adopted uh, children and who are reunited with their parents. This there's this is called something and this happens really? frequently. Yes. And I'm okay. going to get into it later, but I I mean my mind was blown. Okay. Okay. So in May of 2017, Stephen calls Alyssa to tell uh, her that their 11 year old daughter is acting up during his visits with, uh, with her, like whenever she comes over to their house and that Alyssa really should do something about it. So during one of their exchanges, he hands Alyssa uh, the daughter's journal. And Alyssa's like, uh, okay. And he's like, here, just you take care of it. And so Alyssa reads the journal and it's horrifying. Uh-huh. And it confirms her gut instinct of just exactly what is going on between Stephen and Katie. And so this is a quote. These are the quotes from the 11 year old's journal. And we'll have a picture of this um, on Instagram. But it says, Katie is pregnant. Dad says they feel like couples. Did they get a little too drunk last night? My dad is a slut. And then in another entry, she writes, he's Satan. He's effing Satan. And then in another entry, he'll go to hell. But he won't be the one getting tortured. He'll be the one torturing people. And then she added, wait one second. If he's Satan and Katie is human, then the baby will be half demon. And then also in the journal are pictures that she drew of Katie and her father depicting them as devils. Now, you heard that right if you caught that last part. As soon as Alyssa reads that, she becomes hysterical and she calls Stephen and she starts screaming at him and asking him if Katie is pregnant with his baby. 
to which she yeah. re- to which she replies, "Yeah, I thought you knew. We're in love." The fuck. And so the eleven year old knows that this is her sister, right? Yep. And that's why she's saying all that stuff. And also because Stephen is such a manipulative asshole, that is why he gave Alyssa the journal. Well, yeah. He knew what was written in there. He wanted her to read it. Of course he knew. It was one of his little, like, games. But how sad is it that an 11-year-old is saying that her father is Satan and he's going to go to hell? Yeah. And it was at this time, too, as soon as they got a divorce, he started telling the two little girls to call, not call Katie. She's not your sister. She's your stepmom. Uh, Call her I mom. Knew that was coming. Yeah. That's disgusting. Yeah. So Alyssa goes off and she is screaming and she is cursing at him and she is saying, You're sick. She's a child. Like she is going off. And final fucking Lee, she calls the police. I find it interesting when she's like yelling at Stephen and she's telling Stephen, She's a child. Like uh, Alyssa was a child when he did this to her, you know? So, I mean, she probably feels that somewhere inside exactly. of her that she's connecting with this though. Yeah. But she says she's a child, but she's also his child. Like, that's what I would lead with. Like she's not only a child, but she's his child. Okay. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't care. Yeah, that's true. Also, did Alyssa call the adoptive parents? Oh my gosh! Get ready to like have a problem with Tony and Kelly in a second. I will. Oh, I will I'll okay. let you know. I'll let you know. Um, Alyssa calls the police, and a police investigation into Stephen and Katie begins. Um, it is now May, and Henricio police interview Stephen and Alyssa's children, but no arrests are made, and an investigation is still ongoing. Mm-hmm. By the end of 2017, Alyssa and Stephen finalized their divorce. And then two months later, on July 20th, 2017, after lying on their marriage application that they obtained in Maryland, stating they were unrelated, Stephen Platel marries his own biological daughter. That is gross. This is going to make you vomit even more when I tell you this. The small wedding happened in the town of Parkton, Maryland. And if you are wondering, yep, Tony and Kelly were present. And so was Stephen's mom, Grace. What? Yes, they were at the wedding. They were the only guests at the wedding. Of their daughter. Of their daughter to her her biological father. Did they just lie? Like, did Katie lie and be like, oh, this is some guy that I met? Like, No, they knew that was her biological father. What the fuck? Yeah. Okay. They got married in a little clearing at like some area by the water. Katie was wearing a form-fitting short black dress that accentuated her baby bump and little black booties and Stephen was all dressed in black as well which very fitting I feel there is no reason for white to be 
any color in this wedding because this is not holy, nor is it precious. I mean... I do not bless this union. Yes, exactly. Uh, Katie quickly posted the photos on social media um, and she like added font to the photos with their wedding day and scroll letters that said Stephen and Katie with a little heart and with the hashtags just married simple wedding. Uh, I think she forgot two hashtags, hashtag gross and hashtag daddy's girl, but whatever. Oh. That's what I would have, that's what I would have commented had I been the petty friend. But see, I mean, and this is something too, I don't know if because she posted all that to social media. Uh-huh. I, I don't know if friends knew that that was her dad. I don't know if friends pieced this together. I, I I have no idea, but I would be like, uh, some, can we, someone needs to check on Katie. <laughs> I think she just married her bio dad. Um, now did, did anyone notice that Katie looks like strangely like her two stepdaughters <laughs> or once you see pictures did anyone notice that katie looks exactly like her father once he shaved his beard really yes okay but there are so many couples out there that like you see them do their they oh, morph into each alike. other yeah, yeah. They mor- th- that's after like years and years of laughter and like fights though i mean no i knew a couple like in high school that also they just kind of looked very similar. Yeah. And there's something to be said with, and I'm going to get into the whole psychology of it later, but of people seeing themselves in somebody else. It's like a, it's narcissistic, right? You like yourself and you see it in somebody and, and that plays a part in this. Like, uh, anyway, uh, we'll get into that later. Now, if you didn't know all the icky stuff about this couple when you saw those pictures on social media, you would think that they were probably be cute. Yeah, a couple in love. I mean, once you see the pictures, and again, we'll post them on our social media, they look cute, I guess. I mean, again, out of context. Out of context. Like, oh, that's adorable. Yeah, you're like, oh, and she looks cute with her baby bump, and everybody looks happy. Um, Now, as far as Kelly and Tony, I mean, they're, they're, they no were, excuses. they were being this is supportive. Not supportive. Yeah. No, no, this is not well, supportive anymore. They're supportive. And I think there's being blindly supportive. I think they just really didn't know what to do. And I think their fear of losing Katie forever far outweighed the sick and twisted world that they were watching her like head dive into. I don't. I don't know what to call it, but this is not support. Um, This is enabling. This is. I think uh, they were scared. They were scared. I think they did. They had no idea how to handle this or what to do. I don't know. uh, We say it all the time. We don't know what we would do. Well, we can't say what we would do because we're not in that position. And I mean, I really hope that no one is ever in this position. This is awful, weird, horrible. I don't think that like if if a TLC show had this, we'd be like, man, these script writers are on some good shit. But like, 
<laughs> yeah. I don't know. The, yeah, you can't even. I mean, the, this whole case is what the fuck, honestly. Yeah. So, um, on September 1st, Katie gives birth to a baby boy named Bennett Platel. And they moved into a house, into a quiet little cul-de-sac in the Nightdale, or not in the Nightdale, in Nightdale, North Carolina, which is east of Raleigh. Um, cute, right? So they live happily ever after, right? And then this is the end no. of the story? No. 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 <laughs> of course not. Guys, this is alternative interest. This doesn't end here. Oh, man. Um, on November 29th, 2017, the investigation is over and it the end result is two arrest warrants that are issued for Katie and Stephen by the Henricio County police officers. It's about damn time. Yeah, thankfully... By July 2018, Stephen and Katie are both arrested on charges of incest and adultery, and they're held in the Wake County Detention Center pending extradition to Virginia. Now, by the way... But also, like, listen to those big, hefty Victorian crimes. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I know. Seriously. So, in Virginia... It's considered a class five felony that carries a prison sentence of not less than one year, nor more than five years for any person that commits adultery or fornication with his daughter or granddaughter. And also it includes like a woman with a son or a woman with her grandson. Um, So both are almost immediately released on bond They both Mm -hmm. are slapped with no contact orders with one another. Stephen also has a no contact order with Alyssa or his daughters as well. Um, Also about time. Yeah. Now, six-month-old baby Bennett is put into the custody and care of Stephen Plato's mother. I mean, I... I do not know why they give the child to her. It's clear that she really doesn't have a great track record with raising boys. But All right, but who else do you give the child I to? I would give the child to Tony and Kelly. They have no rights to it. I, I don't care. I would give the <laughs> child to Tony and Katie. That would be if I was someone in charge of this decision making, I would see, oh, here is a mother that cannot raise a child to grow up to be a productive and normal human. I shall give it to these two adopted parents that tried and were successful for 18 years until she was in the hands of this monster. That's what I would right, do. But I mean, looking at it from a legal standpoint, they have no blood ties to this child. Um, and when it comes down to weird custody stuff like this, it goes to the next blood relative. I guess. And unfortunately, that's Stephen's mother. Stephen's mother can say no. I guess. But you know she's not going to. So I, th- I feel like this is probably one of those situations where... um. Kelly and Tony probably could have petitioned the court if they wanted to. Mm -hmm. I don't think they wanted to. Yeah, maybe they didn't want to. I don't know. You're right. I mean, in that case, I don't know that I would want to. I just would want, 
I would want to get Katie back into my household and uh, I don't know. Right. But if that's maybe that was the choice that they could have Katie, but because she's not allowed near her son, they can't take the son. And no, she was still allowed near Katie was allowed near her son because Stephen was allowed near his son. The only people that Stephen and Katie weren't allowed around was each other. And Stephen wasn't allowed around Alyssa or her daughters. But there was no, no contact order placed against Bennett, which is weird. I wonder why he wasn't allowed to stay in his mother's care then. uh, I have no idea. That's a good question. Yeah. So... Stephen Plato hires a lawyer named Rick Freeman II, who also sounds like a wad, but whatever. He sounds like an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, good and for you. And you know, you know that if anyone tried to call him Rick Freeman Jr., he'd be like, um, excuse the fuck out yeah, of you. Yeah, exactly. I am the, the second. second. <laughs> he claims that Stephen never pressured Katie into a relationship that this was all 100% mutual consent, which is actually 100% true. Yeah. He never pressured her. He groomed Groomed her. her. Yeah. So Friedman describes, and I quote, this case is about an 18-year-old girl who shows up at the doorstep of a 40-year-old man who's going through difficult times with his wife. They have a bond because they're biologically biologically related, but they never knew each other before they had a sexual relationship. He was head over heels in love with her, so much so that that outweighed the issue of them being biologically related. Basically, what this translates to is Rick was just like, it's gross, but there you have it. Like, I, (laughs) this is a love story, guys. Take it or leave it. In this case, Meg How Ryan. How did you manage to slip in a love story again? <laughs> in this case, Meg Ryan is just Tom Hanks's daughter. All right, guys. Like, I guess you didn't know that about Sleepless in Seattle. Oh, my God. Anyways, speaking of Sleepless in Seattle, I think that's where we're going to pause is right here. So you can have a sleepless night thinking of uh, Stephen and him marrying his biological daughter and now Alyssa's grandson is also her half son half brother half halfer hmm <laughs> I gotta do the math on this later <laughs> I have to do the connections anyways part two is a doozy this part one was a doozy. This does not end happily ever after. You've been warned. Um, try to resist looking this up because you'll just ruin it. So don't look this up. Um, but yeah, of the play-doh. we started out a little weird. <laughs> we did, <laughs> but uh, you brought it back around. Thank you, thank you. And uh, I think this was a really good way to. <laughs> I was going to say eased back into our regular yeah. routine, but this, we just kind of just shoved everyone on the deep end of the polar bear. This, so. I mean, it's one, it's number 100. They're ready. They're ready. They should be ready. You're by ready now. for this. You guys know by now that I you spent like 99 episodes preparing for yeah, this moment. Yeah. It is not our fault. It, if you are not ready. Exactly. I am bringing you 
the huge pile of shit every single time. So you're welcome. You're welcome. You did promise that 2022 <laughs> was going to be full of horror. Yes. And here it is. <laughs> I mean, we got Man. Odessa. We got Anatoly. Now we have Stephen Bladel. I mean, what more could you ask for, really? Oh, man. I need to not tempt them. Saying, what could you ask for? Because they're going to make some demands. Ooh, make some and we're demands. And not, we're not prepared to follow through. Tell me what to look for. The more horrible, the better. I will find it. This episode took a weird turn. Yes, it did. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. <laughs> we will see you for part two next week. Yep. All right. Bye. Kat and I are so grateful for all of our listeners, and we love hearing from you guys. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Alternative Interest Podcast, and let us know your thoughts on this week's case. We want to cover the things that you guys want to hear, so please email us your case suggestions at alternativeinterestpodcast at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for listening and sharing us with your friends. Be good to each other, and we'll see you next week. And coincidentally, Munchausen is one of my favorite words. Remember, flaccid is my not favorite word. Munchausen is my favorite word. (laughs) It just because you like saying it. It's like a pleasing word. Okay. Munchausen. Like it sounds like a it sounds like a swanky like dessert. Like, are you going to have the Munchausen? Well, now that I say swanky dessert and munch, I let's can we end now i want to go i don't don't like where well you know what i will tell you a couple of my favorite words just because i like the way they sound okay i like the word jaundice (laughs) (laughs) i i like the word peasant and i like i like the word i can't even fucking say it i like the word innard Oh my god. So, oh my god. I'm going to I'm going to put this at the end of the episode so that only our our, our best listeners, listeners who listen to yeah. the whole thing will hear this. Yeah. So, here's a story about Crystal that will tell you everything <laughs> you need to know about me. I I was living in a townhouse several years ago where um there were three of us living in this two-bedroom townhouse. So me and my friend shared one room and our other friend had the other room. Uh, long story short, we ended up kicking the other girl out because she wasn't covering her share of the rent. It was just a problem. So we all mutually decided, hey, this person's leaving. Yeah. We needed to find a third person for this room. So we kind of went through Craigslist ads. We had a couple of people in and out. And then we settled on this one guy who lived with us for a little while. Okay. And... We were going through this weird phase where I had just gotten my first cricket, like the cricket cutter yeah. thing. Um, and so I was playing with the different cartridges with fonts. And me and my friend are really fucking weird, if you guys couldn't tell. <laughs> and we decided that this guy had just moved in with us and we were going to see how long it would take for him to like, you know, when you first move into a situation and you're like not sure how to deal with the people yeah. and you're like 
if something annoys you about them, you're like, how do I approach them about this? We were like, how long is it going to take for him to crack? Yeah. So uh, every couple of days I would put a new word on our bathroom door with these crooked like vinyl letters uh-huh like like crossword style so they all were like crossing each other so i started with peasant and then i added jaundice <laughs> and then i added innards oh my god <laughs> and i can't remember what the next word was but i think i got like six words on the door before finally one day he texted me and he was like can I ask about the creepy words on the door? <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> so if anyone ever wants to know what it's like to live with me, there you go. There you go. Oh wow, that is pretty <laughs> That is I mean he ended, up, he ended up stealing hundreds of dollars worth of our shit. Oh no. It, it was probably those words out. that that <laughs> That drove him to it. Holy shit. And he used my favorite ladle oh, to cook no. his heroin. Oh, my gosh. I don't know why he needed I <laughs> Anybody who knows me knows the story about this ladle because to this day, I'm fucking salty about this ladle. <laughs> there were so many spoons in the kitchen and he used my ladle. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Can it we... was one of those really cute Korean ladles that are like not huge but they're like nice and small and ugh. I think I want to get off this right now. I want to go home. <laughs> I don't, I don't. So if anybody listened to the end of this episode, I mean we've learned lots about Kat over the past year yeah. or so. There's something about me. You know what? I think if there is a listener that listened to this whole end of this, I think the first one something. the first one to email us gets like a uh Get something. A condolence. Promise. Yeah, get something. Email us. We'll figure it out. But you get something. The first the first diehard fan that listens to this all the way to the end. Yes. Oh, you know gosh. what? That's fun. <laughs> that is fun. Um, <laughs> So, uh, you know what? Regardless, I would actually, you know what? Let's do this instead. Everybody (laughs) who listened to the end of this, I want you to email us your favorite weird ass word and we'll choose a couple of favorites and they get something. Yeah, let's do that. We don't know what. I love it. I love it. So, you know what? Email us at alternativeinterestpodcast at gmail.com. I would like to add another one of my favorite words is debacle. I do like debacle. Debacle. I got to use the word debacle the other day and I was so happy because that's one of those words you don't really get to use. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like it.